Welcome to the I Give an F1 podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Lynette. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the latest Formula One news that has come out this week, like the new AlphaTauri name and Formula One headed to Madrid. But we're going to have a special guest on today to talk about all of this with. <laughs> hey, Terry. Hi, thanks very much for having me on. Of course. So today we have Terry from F1 Coffee Corner. We love following all of your content because it is similar to ours, but I do feel like you provide a totally different perspective. I also feel like I love following you because you kind of come out with the breaking news before, and I'm not sure how. So <laughs> let's get into it because I would really love to learn more about um, just about, you know, your experience in motorsport, um, media particularly. And I just love all of your amazing takes on things. And, um, and it keeps us, it actually keeps us abreast as well, which has been very nice. Um, and so we really wanted to have you on today because we value your perspective and also maybe we can get a little tea. So <laughs> shall we? Let's go for it. Okay. Um, so let's start off. I know all of our viewers are probably, they, they listen to us and probably other F1 content creators, but if they haven't heard your voice or followed you on Instagram, give us a little bit of information about how you got started with your page and what your history is with Formula One. Um, right. So a bit of a a long time in Formula One. I was saying to Lynette before we started recording, I've been watching Formula One with my dad since I was little. So I'm over 30 years now. I don't want to do too much how close to 40 I am because that might give away my age a bit. Um, but yeah, I've been following it ever since. Various sort of depths of in-depth or just being a sort of casual fan. Um, followed it, like I say, all, all my life. Used to sit down with my dad, watch it. it used to be something we did on Sunday. Um, really sort of fond memories of that in, you know, days of Senna, Prost, Schumacher, and just got that passion for just hearing the cars, really, and just the noise that they make. And obviously in those days, the engines were a lot different to what we've got nowadays. Um, but even so, and just marvel at the sort of technology involved in these cars when they're, when they're on the track. And then my page come about very accidental. So I'm a stay-at-home carer, so we've got disabled children. So... We spend a lot of our time, obviously, they, they need care for the night. So we take it in shift turns between myself and my wife. And what I found was on an evening, I would sit there. She would obviously get some rest. I'd sit there, do some care responsibilities, scroll through all social media. And I got really frustrated at the Formula One information. So I'd just be scrolling to see what, what's out there. And what I was finding was all of these repeat stories or old stories or not factual information. And I think when you've read them quite a few times, you kind of go, I've read that before, that's not right. That's So I kind of thought, what can I do? So I started off with TikTok. Um, my stepdaughter got me into during lockdown, just in terms of being the you know, same as everyone else during COVID, actually just viewing it. And then I started yeah. posting the news headlines because there's two reasons. One, I was really scared and knowing what my opinion, because I'm probably of an older generation to what the app was. And, you know, I'm from the UK and would I actually get an audience? So I started posting the, the news headlines, which was a twofold thing. When it was because I was scared to actually go face on with the camera. And secondly, it was more because I like a, a snapshot of the news. And I thought 
if you've got too many videos where people are talking and talking and talking, you can lose concentration or you just haven't got time or you can't turn the volume down or, you know, if you're late night like me and you don't want to disturb someone, how would you watch that? So it's kind of, that's how, how it came about was create the news headlines, create it so you can watch it. You see it a snapshot, you can have a quick glance of what's going on. And then it kind of snowballed from there with a bit of confidence getting up with actually talking in front of the camera. And then the reception I got was people wanted more of it. So yeah, that's pretty much how the page just grew and grew and grew. Yeah, I absolutely love just like the quick snapshot with like a fun little tune over it because it just gives you, it gives you like six or seven news headlines and it's just the basics of like, hey, this is what's happening. And some, like most of the time when I'm reading them, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that little piece of news happened. Mm -hmm. And it's because, you know, you're really doing your research and, I appreciate that so much because it helps keep me, you know, in tune with what's happening, but in a quick, easy to digest way, which I think a lot of people need more of when it comes to social media, because when they're scrolling through, they don't want to watch, you know, all, they don't, I'm sorry, we do make amazing a minute and a half videos, but they don't <laughs> want to watch them all the time. Sometimes they just want to watch a little, you know, video with the, the five little pieces of news and that's it. So I think that is definitely a niche that that you've tapped into that I can appreciate for sure. Yeah, and I think also by having different topics, it, it gets to different audiences. They've got such a variety of stories on there. You can reach yeah. all these different people with, that's interesting to one, that's interesting to somebody else. So it, it creates that discussion as well. And the other thing I was keen to do with the page was interact with people back as well, because if people are taking the time for me to leave a comment and interact, is really important that they felt valued. So... I try as much as I can to answer comments and, you know, talk to people back and, you know, get their views on things, delve into it a bit more. And I think that also helps with just making people feel a bit more valued. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important when it comes to, you know, running a page and especially something like that, like with the news. And it also helps you kind of get an idea of what people are interested. Like if there's something that, that someone keeps commenting on, you know, a group of people, a certain piece of news that they catches their attention, then you can say, oh, okay, you know, let me go uh, like explain this more, which I also like some of your videos that you really kind of explain what is like, there's something going on and then you kind of go a little bit deeper into it to help people understand like what really is going on, you know, whether it's behind the scenes or or why something's happening. So I, I think you have like a good mix of the short news videos and then kind of a little more explanation with them too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely people sometimes want a bit more, if it's a, yeah, a hot topic or that we've had recently, people want a bit more information. But also I think if you can go and get that information from a couple of places and cross match it and pull it all together in one place, then like you said, that helps them with something that's debatable. You can actually give a bit of background to it, a bit of context maybe open up a different thinking or different lights of looking at things. And I think the other thing I try to do is I try to keep it so it's objective. It's not my opinion, such as actually these are the facts, this is what's going on. And I think that's really important as well if you're trying to, you know, give news out is to be independent, even though we've got our own affiliations with drivers, teams. I think that's really important that we don't try and let that cloud the facts and in the situation on a lot of things. Agreed. <laughs> there's a lot of opinions out there so <laughs> it's yeah. nice sometimes to just get the news it is, yeah. <laughs> um since you said you've been a fan for a long time in formula one um we have to ask what races have you been to if you've been to any 
I've only been to one, which was Silverstone last year. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, honestly. So, growing up, we never had the opportunity to to go certainly to, to anywhere, not even Silverstone. Um, financially, as a family growing up, it just wasn't something we could do. Um, so, yeah, last year was the first time I managed to get to one. So, my dad and I went, and to be honest, we we kind of went all in. And um, I keep having to explain to him that's not the case every time you go to a Grand Prix because. <laughs> We we got invited to launch party um on the Thursday and then and then on the Saturday my dad brought hospitality tickets because we didn't pay for any accommodation so my dad was like oh if we're gonna go I'm gonna go all in and buy these hospitality tickets because you bought the race day tickets that's fine um and then we had a message off Silverstone offering a paddock tour which was like absolutely amazing so we ended up on Sunday doing the paddock as well when they were just come off the drivers parade so we kind of went all in on this one weekend and I think my dad thinks that's just a normal <laughs> you just kind of stroll around the paddock and have a bit of hospitality and find a seat and watch a race. So I'm on to lower his expectations at the moment for this season. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, I, I can't wait to see your next, your next race experience then. <laughs> you have a bet chair somewhere. <laughs> General admission, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can tell him, I just want you to experience all you know everything <laughs> that the track has to offer not just the paddock you know <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's terrible for it though because like i say he he loves the experiences right he loves coming along and um it's great to share it with him it's yeah my my wife doesn't share any passion with formula one and with the with the care of the children it'd be difficult so it's great to share it with my dad actually and you know he becomes my personal one and i can give something back to him and We've done loads of like not just Formula One races. We've done loads of other activities with Formula One over the past twelve months. We've been pretty special. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm scarred as well because this last year at the US GP, well, I know Lynette is cause she's been, she's done paddock club or all sorts of fun <laughs> things before, but, um, but you know, this was my first year to actually have a paddock club experience. And so it was amazing. I only got, I mean, I, we got tickets for Thursday, which was still very cool because it was a sprint weekend. Um, and so just the fact that we got to see that now my husband and I are like, how much money can we actually spend on the ring? Because we kind of want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so um, probably won't get that in our next race, but um, fingers crossed for the next USGP because it is in Austin, which is close to us. And I feel like there's a lot of friends that end up there. And that's kind of how we got the tickets was through a friend and actually my ex boss um, from work. And she is amazing. And she like offered us these tickets, but um, yeah, I'm like, maybe I'll get lucky again next year because <laughs> we don't have the money to spend. On that. <laughs> what, um, what other race would you guys like to, to go to? Yeah, I would love to go to, well, there's, there's two. So my dad is a Monaco through and through being a tradition, traditional Formula One fan. And even though the race is not that great, he just wants to tick it off his bucket list. Yeah. Um, to the point we were at the Autos War International Show last week a couple of weekends ago and they had this stand with Formula One holidays and I turn around and he's there with his bloke with the laptop getting all these prices about Monaco and I'm like, oh, no, you know, this, this poor gentleman's going, well, we can do yacht experiences. I'm like, just, just come on, dad, because I can't, you know, I certainly can't afford that. Let's go. And um, so, yeah, so he wants to do, he wants to go to Monaco. I'd like to do um, Austin and, and coach. I think that would be, it looks just an amazing experience. I think they do, the fan interaction you can get from it. 
and then you've also got the traditional ones so you, you spar and and you know you've got holland as well looks like a really good experience the dutch grand prix does so i think it's a couple but it would be austin i'd certainly like to try that well, come on down. We'll we'll accommodate you. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to convince my dad to slide that one in this year, saying, you know, forget Monaco. Let's let's go here. But <laughs> more yeah. Think what you we'll think. How far you money you go? <laughs> we'll take you uh, cowboy hat shopping. Some, we'll get you some cowboy boots. Mm, the Texas horse. experience. <laughs> he would love all that as well. Though. That's the point. He would be he would be there in the flash for doing all that. He he would be in his element. So yeah. Well, um, so I guess let's go ahead and get into the news. Um, I digress. But so one of the things that we had mentioned in our intro was that we were going to talk a little bit about the news that's been going on lately. Um, so regarding AlphaTauri, Terry, um, do you think that there will be any major changes in the performance for AlphaTauri now that they've rebranded as Visa Cash App RB and is going through like all these different changes um or do you think we won't see much of a change for a while um in their performance um i think they're going to come out quite strong because if you if you look last year they they actually had one of the most upgraded cars on the grid even more than like some mercedes especially towards the the back end of the season where they were bringing the new floor and um, all of those introductions were done so they could take more parts from Red Bull. It was designed so the floor would be more accommodating. They've made this conscious you know, statement that they're going to take as many parts as they can, which you know, is obviously perfectly legal. They can do that. A lot of other teams do it. And that synergy they're going to have, it's not exactly a bad car, is it? The RB19 to have a parts list from and be taking some of the RB20 parts. So I think they can get the aerodynamics right and get the setup right. They, they're going to jump at the grid, I, I feel. And I think we see that sooner on later because of the work they've been doing at the back end going into this year. Interesting. Do you like the new name? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it, it's, it's obvious why it's done. Yeah, many talks in Formula 1 and naming rights has become the big thing. You know, we've seen it in, in other sports with stadiums being named and things like that. So it's not a surprise, but... For me to not even have the racing balls part and the confusion over that the RB doesn't stand for racing balls, but then their team copyright is racing balls. It's just, for me, it just doesn't make sense. If they were going to change it, they should come out and say, we're racing balls, but that's going to be our entry name because we want to leave with the sponsor. But they're, they're trying to do away with racing balls here, and that's not what it stands for. And I think they've created confusion. But then on the flip side, they've got everybody talking about it. So is it the ultimate marketing strategy where people who spent the last two weeks discussing their name change and rebranding. So I suppose from a marketing point of view, it's done a, a great trick for the team. Well, they've definitely caused some buzz, haven't they? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. saying I, I felt so bad for the admin because they're getting so much hate on the uh, the new content that they've been posting. I feel like everybody posts like horrible comments about it. I'm like, man, this, this, uh, this, <laughs> content team is the real MVP because they're the ones having to deal with all you haters. <laughs> and I still can't decide, you know, that four days when they went missing after dropping their their new name, then go back. I still can't decide if that is the ultimate marketing ploy or whether or not someone generally changed it so many times they lock themselves out and actually recover their password from Instagram. <laughs> yeah, whether, whether it's from someone who's no longer working for them who's, who turned on, you know, 
two-person verification and wandered off into the sunset and so um, on their way out the door or maybe it was the person maybe it was the person who was fired from mahindra racing for uh creating that, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh geez yeah well. i think whether it was a mistake or not i feel like it kind of ended up working for them because of everybody was talking about it. So right. maybe somebody was saved there a little bit and they kind of went with it, but. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine how, how do we turn this into a positive? Yeah. <laughs> we, we locked out four days. Yeah. I have a feeling it started off as a mistake, but <laughs> yeah. maybe they just went with it and, and made it work. I just had this vision, you know, when Instagram says you can't change your name because you've changed it too many times that they did it and then went, <gasps> <laughs> they were just testing it out they didn't really yeah. want to hit like uh, approve yeah. the name or anything <laughs> then it went sorry you can't do this for another 14 days yeah yeah i think it's just gonna be so weird um while the race is going on and then i mean what are they gonna say there goes visa there goes visa cash app you know what is it that they're gonna be calling them it's gonna sound so strange Maybe. That's the thing I think everyone's struggling to get their head around because you know, we're hearing this V carb, which just sounds like a really bad diet. Um, <laughs> then we've got, you know, we've got, we've got this this visa cash out, which by the time you've done that, the the pass to be done and be be over. So what do they actually get called by the commentators? It's it's going to be really interesting. I think Will Buxton was saying they're just going to go be racing bulls, which kind of defies the whole point of what the RB stands for. Then if they're saying it's not racing bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think racing will sound so much better, <laughs> which I know even when that kind of came out, that bulls. name, people were already making fun of that. So, <laughs> yeah, ironically, that was like you say, when it came out, everyone's going, that's terrible. And now everyone's going to bring it back, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was all part of their plan. Yeah, all, yeah. All given. We're, we're at set racing bulls now. <laughs> well, let's just hope them and stake have a really good livery and maybe that'll get people to forget about their their bad names <laughs> yes it's a bit like the um the state competition if you've seen that where they're releasing the word of the day and everyone knows what it is and it's, oh, um, that, yeah i saw that it's, it's, it's going, <laughs> the question going, mark yeah just put the name out we know what it is just give us a link to enter because they're, they're all <laughs> waiting until next wednesday <laughs> we've all worked yeah. it out one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think some of these teams or the admins are doing a little bit too much lately. <laughs> I feel like just passing the time away before the season starts. Yeah. <laughs> Working out the kinks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, back to, to the racing bulls. Um, so, like you said, that you think they're going to have a really good start um, and with all the changes that they're doing. So what do you think about their driver lineup and, and how that's going to change, like going into 2025? Um, we have Yuki and, and Daniel racing together for the full year this year. I think for me, I think Yuki goes hand in hand with Honda. I think that's pretty evident. Um, he's distancing himself a lot at the moment with his comments saying, I am I am this driver and I'm not intricately with Honda. But we all know that he goes hand in hand with Honda. So I think he's probably going to have another year going into next year before we obviously see Honda come away from, from those two teams. Um, I think Daniel, I'm kind of jury out on Daniel because I think he's a great signing for them. I think that a full preseason behind him, you know, knowledge that he's got a seat, he's going to have a point to prove. I think the car will suit him as it works more towards that that Red Bull design philosophy. So I think that will help him. 
Um, I think he wants that second Red Bull seat. I'm just not sure Red Bull share that enthusiasm to give it to him. So I kind of think that if they wanted to, they would have made that switch. They've never been slow to make a change. And mm-hmm. yet they seem to be dragging this feet over, putting Daniel in that second second seat. Um, and also, I keep going back to Checo and the Red Bull seat. Ultimately, Checo would have given that, that would have been his target last season, would have been to finish second behind Max in the championship and deliver the constructors. And that was Red Bull's first ever one two in the drivers' championship. They delivered both titles. You can't really, yes, his performances were lacking in some of the races, but he still delivered that result. So it's a bit harsh to then say, sorry, we're going to tough you out on that one. And if he has a similar season where, you know, Red Bull happened to be in a position where they're in, in the championship winning position again, and Checo's part of that, he's got massive commercial for Red Bull certainly, you know, in America, I know they use Checo a lot more than what they use Max for a lot of things. He was doing a Ford thing just just last week, so he's got he's got a huge commercial value to Red Bull, which I think is underrated, certainly by people over here in the UK in terms of their further reach that Red Bull has. So I don't think he's as precarious, and it wouldn't surprise me if they gave him another one year deal or another two year deal to take him out, especially with obviously the contract extensions we've had this week. Hmm. So moving away from AlphaTauri, we did just hear recently that Madrid has been added to the calendar, basically taking Barcelona off next year. What I guess first off, let's talk about what your thoughts are on potentially no longer having the race in Barcelona. I know there has been talk that, you know, Barcelona would be still, you know, considered for the future, but I think it's becoming really unclear and muddy there. Um, what do you think, what are your thoughts on if Barcelona leaves Formula One? Um, I think you're right. I don't think Barcelona will stay on. They've got a contract till 2026, which includes 2026. Obviously, Madrid comes in in 2026, but it's the same organisers, so it wouldn't actually hurt them too much to switch it to Madrid and cancel last year off. They're not going to lose out because they're going to gain the boom from Madrid, so they're not, it's the track who will lose out, not the actual organisers or promoters. So I don't think that's in Barcelona's favour as staying on the calendar. I know they've they've said they've opened negotiations, but I don't I don't see how those those two remain on the calendar together. I think it's a either or and they've obviously put their flag in in the Madrid one. Barcelona's really tough one for me because I'm not I'm not gonna come out and say Barcelona's an amazing track in terms of Grand Prix. Um I think it's been heightened in status with some fans here with the uproar that we're getting rid of another circuit for a potentially street circuit. And for me, Barcelona is really important to the teams. There's a lot of upgrades that come into Barcelona. Obviously, it used to be a testing track before we went to just Bahrain. So it's a track which they get a lot of data from, a lot of of upgrades to push through to get it into Barcelona early in the season, get that data to make sure they're on the right path. And I think the teams... Even though they may not miss racing there, I think they're going to miss the data and the information gathering that they get there, which could have an impact on their season. So that's where I'm probably looking at it from more of, more of a technical. And what does that look like for the grid then if you haven't got that to look back to? But I think that it's the way that Formula One's going with the street circuits. Um, I'm sad that we're losing an historic track again for another new track. It seems to be that that's the pattern which. You know, being being an older fan, I'm not hugely popular with, you know, I think we need to find a balance between the two. I think at the moment we're looking at a third of the races are going to be 
street circuits when years ago it was just pretty much Monaco. So we need to strike a balance. Right, right. So what are your impressions on what you've seen or what you've heard about the Madrid track? I mean, as far as it being like half street, half, um, half not. Um, it looks interesting, yeah, having that half, that hybrid sort of, you know, with the track. If they can make the overtaking and the points in, in the track part, I think it'll, it'll add a lot of value. It looks quite a tight track. Um, I did see a, I think it's Williams did a simulation lap around it um, during the week. And it does look like it's not going to have a huge amount of overtaking, which seems, again, yeah, it seems to be lacking from new tracks coming forward, especially if you've got that, like say that halfway you can build a purpose-built track. I just want to see more consideration into those sort of areas, which if we're building new tracks or we've got the ability to, to put some overtaking spots in, why aren't we doing that? It seems to me that they're just not utilising the space in a way that would make the race exciting. Um, we are going to have smaller cars, of course, in 2026. So they are going to be slightly smaller, slightly, slightly narrower. Um, well, on that, that's going to make a difference with, with the circuits, it remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard something about like even the public transit in Madrid needs a lot of work. Not not that, you know, Formula One one wouldn't filter in that that cash to be able to update all of those areas that need updating, but it'll be interesting to see if it's all done in time. And, you know, I think we learned uh learned a lot about the Vegas race being yeah. rushed and um a lot of the local businesses being affected. And it'll be, um, you know, on my thoughts while I'm watching the Madrid race, kind of going through local news, figuring out like, is this, you know, where, where else is this affecting than just, you know, Formula One? So, um, yeah, definitely interested to see. And we're glad we got your take on that. And on that note, Lynette, you have the next question. Yeah, on that note. <laughs> so there's a lot of talk of new new tracks coming up and having races in different locations. Like, you know, we've heard of India. There was even, I think, Greece at one point. And I saw even just yesterday, now there might be a chance of Chicago <laughs> having yeah. a, a race. Um, <laughs> but roll. where, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that after. But where do you <laughs> think would be a good location to have a new Formula One race? If um, you think there should be. I think we should go back to South Africa. I know it's been sort of started, always got to a point where we were going to get a beard and then there was the sort of politics and it fell back off the agenda again. But I think South Africa, I'd really like to see Formula One good places which need the investment. So if Formula One are really sort of hell-bent on legacy and what they bring, bring to, the, to the wider public and the areas they're affected, I'd like to see them go into places which actually that capital investment, like you talk about, like, what comes into Vegas, what's going to go into Madrid. Actually, if they come in and they produce something which for the local community all year round is beneficial for them, that's a great legacy to leave. You know, a building that you can use, for example, all year round for, for local things, infrastructure being done. I mean, the advantage of street circuits is, you know, people joke that the potholes are getting fixed, but it does create this environment where actually they do some really good things when they do come in, providing you can keep that all year round and it's not confined to a Formula One race weekend. So I'd like to see him look at it a bit more from that point of view, as in what, what benefit could we bring the local community when when this circus just arrives for a couple of weeks, yeah, you know, weeks set up and then, then the actual race itself. You know, what does it leave behind? What does it what to, 
how does it affect people and actually how can we make it better for schools facilities all of these things yeah mm-hmm. and i've seen um also with everything that happened in vegas that this year they're going to do things a little bit different like they're going to get rid of one of the bridges that they had made that was blocking some of the just the shops and the stores there um that really affected like the the owners of those shops and like making money so i think you know what like you say you want it to really be good for the community so i think you know vegas learned a lot this year i think with what they have to do and hopefully going forward it's they can make changes like that um and wherever they do have a new race i think they should take those things into consideration for sure um cuz you want you know it's not just about people showing up and for a weekend and then leaving and then the ones that live there have to deal with this mess and and their lives being affected in a negative way you know you want that to to be positive for them so mm-hmm. yeah. what race would you get rid of terry if you could get rid of like one race off of the calendar um probably imola oh okay what are your reasons for that i'm just curious <laughs> um i just don't think it's an exciting track for you know overtaking it's an historic track which obviously you know come back went away come back again and um, we've obviously got i think you know same sort of reasoning behind spain i think italy have got obviously monza i think we've with the upgrades they're making there um i think that will remain on the calendar so i think that for me imla we've i know last year we got cancelled because obviously what happened but I, I think they must be looking over their shoulder a bit and I'm not sure that actually brings enough value to keep it over some of the other ones. Um, hmm. Monaco is the age-old debate, isn't it? Because, yeah, the quality of racing we get at Monaco with these big, heavy cars, but then it's got the heritage value, hasn't it? So, Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think um, Monaco needs to stay. That's just my opinion, but I just love the the character of the city and the race weekend and everything that goes with it. Um, but I am curious that you didn't say a U.S. race because um, I think if you were to ask Lynette and I, we would probably get rid of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, for me, Miami, obviously, Jewelry is still out now. When Vegas, we've only just been there. The race itself was actually okay once we got over TV problems. Yeah, I think they're something spot on. I think they're, they're learning a lot from that. Um, that's always the same with a brand new race site like they hosted and that's the first time Formula One have actually been the promoter as well which is a lot of people forget that that's the first time Formula One actually did their own promotion of that so that's their own money their their own investment and I think they probably learned a lot without coming out publicly and saying that um compared to some of the other tracks we've been doing it for years so I think it'd get better and better I think Miami again it just feels good for a vibe in terms of you know it's 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 a race, I think, which can replicate sort of Monaco in terms of status of how it is and obviously the atmosphere behind it. Um, but yeah. What yeah. have you heard about Chicago and what do you think about that? Um, it kind of feels like it could just be Formula One just trademarking. They did the same in New York. So they did video on it earlier. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's a lot going on with them trying to get into Chicago. I think. There's lots of possibility, you know, Chicago Bears moving their stadium, so that opens up possibilities. Um, obviously going to where NASCAR was as well, so they've got that option. I don't think that 
I wouldn't like to see it in place of something like Austin. I think that would just be a tragedy for Formula One if they got rid of got rid of Kota to bring Chicago on board. That just would feel wrong than to have Vegas, Miami, and Chicago. I think that would just be pretty poor from a fan's perspective. So I do think it might just be them hedging their bets and trademarking something for something which they're looking into rather than actually everyone's thinking it's about to be introduced by Madrid because we're not hearing that they set up a company or a committee. We're not hearing proposed layouts. We heard all of that before with Madrid. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. And it's also hard when someone says there's a racing in Chicago, but we've got no idea what a track would look like, where it would be, what it looks like. It's it's really right. tough to sort of bin it off straight away and go, that'd be a disaster when actually it might be potentially to do something good. But I think that you would have to lose an American race to incorporate it. And then if we're doing that, I think, you know, I wouldn't like to see Cota being the one to make way. But then with the long-term contracts that Miami and Vegas have got, and Cota's, what, 2026? I mean, the only good news is they Chicago wouldn't be able to get a race together before 2026. So I think that Austin would be safe, certainly for a few more years. Hopefully, Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> We would be very sad if, if they got rid of that. I would be sad as well, but if I've not got there with my cowboy hat and everything, yeah, they took off the calendar. That would be disastrous. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, so, Terry, Haas is another team that we've seen that's had a lot of changes this past season and into the off season as well. So what do you think it'll take for everybody to start seeing some progress on their end in 2025, 2024? Um, I think they're a team in trouble. They remind me of where Williams were a few seasons ago. So if you think back to where Williams were, yeah, when Claire Williams was just leaving, they had that financial trouble, they couldn't invest. Has struck me as someone in that predicament at the moment. You know, I understand completely the reasons why Gunther was was moved on at the end of his contract. I think they were looking for a change. I'm just not sure that they've got the people in place to deliver that change at all. Um, yeah, the new team principal has been there from from 2016, from the start. So is that a case of we're just going to repeat the same thing? Um, they've lost the technical director as well, who's obviously gone back to Ferrari. There's some big glaring vacancies for me in, in Hearts, which they haven't actually recruited for. And if you haven't got these people in place at the start of the season, they're already talking that, oh, when we arrive in Bahrain, we're going to be 10th and our aim is mm-hmm. to get 8th. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that sounds like a team in trouble, doesn't it? You know, there's not a lot of other teams talking about that. You know, we're going to be at the bottom and we aim to be reputable yeah. places. That sounds like a team struggling. And do you think that um, that it was Gunther's time to leave? I mean, what do you think about about that whole switch up and just not having a great backup? I mean, I feel like yes, their, their new team principal he has a history with with Haas and and everything. But um, if he's been with Haas this long and there haven't been any positive movements with him on the team, how do we expect him to bring Haas forward as the team principal? Yeah, I think, I think it was time for them to move on in terms of what they're trying to do. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a massive blow to the team and to just the paddock in general. So I said last season, if they want to change things, that they might have to look at, at moving him on. Um, I didn't think they would do it, certainly when they did. It makes sense that his contract was up, obviously for them. Classic Gene Haas, isn't it? That there'd obviously be no compensation, no um, yeah, no, no payoff for, for Gunther after all those years. Um, 
But I just, like you say, I think if you've got someone who's been involved in the technical side of the car, and then you're saying we're struggling with the technical side, but we promoted the people involved in the technical side, you're like, well, hold on a second. That's surely not going to work because surely he was fired because they took a look at the car in the wind tunnel. They took a look at the CFD days and went, this car isn't where I want it to be. So ultimately you pay the price, but then they've kind of rewarded someone who's been involved in getting that car in that position. It just seems a really, really crazy sort of way of doing it. And like I say, losing all that experience and not replacing it, it's easy to promote from within, but sometimes you've got to attract more, more from outside. It's fresh ideas. There's a lot of good team principals who are out of contract who could have come in. You've got someone like Otmar, I think, who did a great job. I mean, I know he's not available potentially until the summer, but even so, he would have been a great figurehead. He's, he's shown that he can develop a team up and get them ready for the next step. He may not have had success, but yeah, what he did, Valpine, yeah. Aston Martin, before that. Um, you've even got Bonotto, who's now out of garden leave, just in his vineyard somewhere, just, you know, obviously with Gunter drinking wine. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that's the reason. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the reason why why um, Benotto didn't want to do it because of his friendship with with Gunther. But you know, someone with those Ferrari toys as well just seems strange not seeing him back in the paddock some, somewhere with with what's going on. Right. So it, it kind of feels that there might be some other movements still to to happen, but it may be seen. But I think they are going to struggle. And what do you think about their driver lineup? Do you think that they're going to keep Magnussen and Hulkenberg through into the next season because they are experienced drivers and they're going through a lot of change? Or do you think that they just need a full, clean slate? Um, I think they might keep one. And then I think they might then go with with another driver coming in. Um, I don't know which one they keep because obviously, you know, Nico Hulkenberg performed well last season, but then Kevin before my season before, didn't he, with getting getting the pole position and those things. So I think they can only probably keep one. Whether or not they go for a risk and yeah, there's been talk of someone like um Ollie Behrman coming from the Ferrari Academy and going back to another rookie. Um mm-hmm. that means be seen whether or not they do it. Um, I'm sure Ferrari would like to see one of their reserve drivers back in that that hat role right. that they had before, obviously when Mick was there. So yeah, that, that kind of was always their payback, wasn't it, for that technical partnership. So I think they might feel the pressure to bring that back a bit. Right. And speaking of Ferrari, you know, we just heard that Ali Behrman ended up uh, becoming the reserve driver for Ferrari. And I guess Arthur Leclerc is now in the Ferrari driver program. Um, what are your thoughts on on them both? Do you think that they have what it takes to be in Formula One? Um, and where would you see them like five years from now? I think they've got what it takes, but I think the opportunities at the moment are so slim for any rookies coming through. You know, we've, we've had Felipe Djokovic sat on the sidelines for a couple of seasons. Um, Terry Paul Chairs could be doing the same this season. There's a raft of talent. You know, Mitch Schumacher obviously going to WEC with Alpine. There's, there's a huge talent pool that at the moment doesn't look like it's going to get the opportunity in Formula 1. And... I think they're all talented enough to do it, but it's a case of whether or not a seat would open up for them. I think the other thing you've got, if you align yourself to an academy, you kind of also limit your options as well. So it's great that they get the back in, obviously, of Ferrari Driver Academy, but then that also limits where they can go now because obviously, you know, Alfa Romeo's pulled out. So that's obviously Audi coming forward. So that's two seats that have been lost to Ferrari Driver Academy, whereas before they, they had a bit of influence there. So there's only themselves and Ferrari where they can go because no other team is going to probably go for someone like that while they're part of 
the Ferrari mm-hmm. Driver Academy, when they've got their own, you know, we've got um, Jack Drew and sat inside on the Alpine as well. So, that, you know, Mercedes drivers are coming up as well. They're going to look to their own, aren't they? And a team like Mercedes are going to want to try and put them into a Williams role, same as they did with George when he came up. So, whilst I think they've got potential, I'm just not sure how they're going to fit into it in the long right. term. But then that second Ferrari seat, I think, is going to get very interesting in the next year or two. Right. And yeah. that was, uh, I was leading into that. So what, what's the deal here? Are we going to sign Carlos or are we, and also um, I love the, the, the choice of words, the, the ambiguity with Charles Leclerc's contract. Oh, for many years to come, I will be racing. Like yeah. why, why do teams, why do you think that teams do that? Why don't they give us the, the, the full details on that? And, and what do you think Carlos's future is? I think the reason we're not seeing this thing with with the contract dates is because I think it will come out. I, you know, a couple of minutes down the line, I'm pretty sure there'd be some leaked story of what Charles's contract will be here, and it's around 2029. Um, there's a lot of performance clauses in some leagues. I think with the regulation change over, so I think there's a lot of drivers who, if they are signing long-term contracts, are a bit worried about how competitive their team's going to be when we change over in 2026. We've seen the effect that Red Bull have had. If you get it right. You can you're you're on the money. If you get it wrong, you're in for a couple of years of you know knowing your championship. So I do think there's some performance clauses in there, maybe on both sides. Um, I also think that Ferrari playing a bit of a game with Carlos. And um, we're hearing that the reason they haven't announced it because they don't want Carlos's team to know how long Charles is actually signing for, which seems a bit bit crazy that they're thinking like that. Um, Carlos wants a lot longer than apparently what he's been offered, which is the big stumbling block. It was originally planned as a double announcement and then got pulled to a single one, was what the Italian journalists are reporting on that one. So that's quite oh, interesting. That's that. Yeah, so I think Carlos is looking for a two-year. Um, I think at the moment they've offered one year and Carlos is obviously not happy with that. He wants two years. So, Do you think he should take the one year if that's all they offer him? I think he's got to at the moment because I'm not sure where he goes. And yeah. I think that that's where the stumbling block is. I think Carlos is not in a position of strength because mm-hmm. obviously what happened with McLaren and Leclerc seat down, Mercedes is not there down. Red Bull would be more inclined to look within than to go back to Carlos. I know he was part of the Red Bull Academy years ago. But actually, where does Carlos go if he doesn't sign for a Ferrari? So I think they've got him in this vice yeah. lock of actually, we only want to give you one year. And if you don't sign it, where are you going to go? So he's, with, with then signing Charles, I think it's it's took away his bargaining ability. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a one-year deal for Carlos coming up, even though he wants to. Hmm. I love it. I love your <laughs> I love your takes. <laughs> and then, of course, they talk about Aldi, let's be honest. You know, I'm, I'm sure Carlos is negotiating with that one. And maybe that's putting Ferrari a bit on the back burner as well to say, actually, is your future lying with us when... We're hearing all this talk that in 2026 you might be going. So that's why we're winning in the year if you're winning. Yeah. We know that you're talking. Yeah, it'd be very easy for Carlos to have a conversation with Aldi, given his dad's rally links with him. It wouldn't be hard at all. And obviously with, you know, Andrea Seidel being at, at Aldi as well, it'd be very, very easy for Carlos to have already had conversations and it not to be not to be documented or, or official. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to wait and see, <laughs> hopefully uh, sooner than later, so we can put all that 
to the side and just focus on the the season. So, <laughs> um, but speaking of this season, who do you think is going to bring the fight to Red Bull? Um, if anyone will. <laughs> I think I think Red Bull still had performance in reserve last year. I don't feel that Max and that car was completely flat out, despite it being such a dominating combination at the two. I kind of felt at times it, it felt like they, it reminded me of the old Mercedes days when they turned it down to sort of yeah. high performance. Um, <laughs> and I just think that if you're in the command and leader, Max Hagel's just not under the same pressure, are you? So naturally you're not, you're not driving as much on the edge, you're driving within, within yourself. So you're not yeah, he was just cruising along watching, yeah. you know, TV yeah. and, yeah. <laughs> and chatting yeah, on the radio. Pushing. Yeah, you know. And I think that McLaren are, are one to watch out for. I think that they're on the right track. Whether or not they can close the gap enough um, remains to be seen. They made some massive strides. And if they make a giant stride again, have Red Bull reached the ceiling with the RB19 in terms of the rules? And are we now in the stage where the other the other teams have got to grips with these rules? Yeah, we're hearing, obviously, James Allison at Mercedes. There's a hope that he can produce a car that's competitive. So have the engineers now got to grips with these regulations, which is something Adrian obviously did from the get-go. And are we now going to see this shift change? Aston Martin really fell off with their development last year. They really struggled. Yeah, they amazing start, giant leap, and then flexi rings, developments from Baku onwards, found it again at the back end of the season. So they're another team which which watch out for. But I think Ferrari, if they can sort out, Ferrari were quick. Their car wasn't wasn't bad. It was just their tyre deck. And I know their strategy team got a huge amount of criticism, let's be honest about it. But if you've got a car that's chewing up its tyres, you've got no strategy. You know, you've been the best strategist in the world, but if, the, if those tyres should be doing 20, 30 laps and after 10, the driver's saying they're done, your strategy's out the window anyway. So I kind of feel that's why they went to plan C, plan D, because they didn't know what to do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least so, they had all those other plans, you know. They did, yeah. I've never, <laughs> Not known just a team, yeah I've never known a team you know, going on really plan C or plan D, or even asked a driver at one point, wasn't it, with Carlos? They were kind of saying, What do you want to do? Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're kind of devoid of ideas here. Um, so I think I think if they can sort that part of it out, then they can be competitive, definitely. They had the pace, certainly over one lap. Yo, Charles proved that with pole position. So, they they can be in there as well, but I just I just don't see if anyone's got enough to catch Red Bull. I think we might see some more wins being challenged, but I don't think we're going to see a championship being contested again. I still feel it's going to go to Max and Red Bull again, yeah. but maybe with a bit more closer behind them. So, out of the McLaren drivers, since you said McLaren, who do you think has the most skill to hit like a second in the drivers' championship? Um, I'm going to go Oscar, which is probably controversial. I'm, I'm not Lando's biggest fan. And for me, he just hasn't proven it yet. I think Oscar, Oscar's a born winner as he's come up. Mm-hmm. And if you look at last year, they were all brand new tracks for him. He was upgraded at different times to Lando. Lando had a much upgraded car for much more races than what Oscar did. And yet Oscar still put in those performances. So I think with a car that's upgraded at the same time as Lando and that year's experience no longer being a rookie underneath him. I think it could be a season where if he gets a win first, then it's going to go in two ways, isn't it? Lando's either going to be, oh no, or he's going to raise his game. But I think if Oscar gets that win first, it's going to change the dynamics, I think, in McLaren. 
I, I would be excited to see that. I think not that I'm not a Lando fan, but I think I've turned to become an Oscar fan a little bit over the last year. And I think he just has so much talent that is still untapped and he just keeps so calm. His composure is just like, it's, it really is unlike, I feel many other drivers on the grid. He just knows how to keep focus and to not let his emotions overwhelm him, even whenever he's had some bad luck, um, you know, in the past. And I could definitely see him, you know, sticking it to Lando <laughs> um, yeah. if, if given the, those opportunities. So hopefully, you know, they give him a proper, a proper competition this year, the team, cause you know, teams can get political, but um, I would love to see them go head to head. I think it would be very interesting. Yeah, and I think they're going to start head to head, haven't they? Because yeah, they've both got nothing to lose, so it'd be great to see them come come out, you know, from the from the get go. Last season, you know, Bahrain was just a catastrophe for both of those drivers, wasn't it? When they were making however many pit stops they made in the first race, and then retiring, mm-hmm. you kind of probably, if you're asking, you're probably thinking, did I do the right thing? Not the sign for Alpine, which when you think about it now, it'll be shocking, but beginning of the season, I'm sure I'm sure that went through his head. But he's talking to Mark Webber out the back and. Oh, we got this from Royce. <laughs> I know that tweet was hilarious. Wow. It was, it was um, probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So we'll end on this question. Um, Terry, are there any crazy silly season type predictions coming into 2024 that you'd like to share with us besides, of course, Oscar? Hopefully, beating Lando, <laughs> getting his first win before Lando. Yeah, getting his first win before Lando. Um, I'm not sure about it. I think the driver market is going to be silly. I think there's going to be some surprises, and I think that you've got. I think Checo and Carlos potentially hold the domino effect to the, to the whole of the summer driver market. There's what still 14 or 13 drivers out of contract after obviously the extension of of both Lando and, and Charles. So. Lando was out of contract anyway, so he wasn't part of that. There's so many. I don't think we've ever seen as many drivers out of contract. And I think, you know, when we had Seb going, obviously, a couple of years ago, and we had that massive knock-on once Fernando signed, I think we we could get that this year in the summer. I think if if Carlos decides no at Ferrari or even Checo performances on there, then they go no. I think it could just all come tumbling down. And if you've got a team in the middle, you know, where does someone like Alex Albin go currently? Yeah, he's sat amazingly performances for Williams last year. Okay, they, they should be getting better. But, yeah, I'd love to see Alex in, you know, a second Ferrari seat. I'd love to see him at Aston Martin. Car at the top, see what he can do again. I think he deserves that chance after Red Bull. I can't see him going back to Red Bull in any form after he's come away. But, you know, how long does he stay with a team like Williams? I know they're getting better and better. And obviously last season was was the much improved performance, but you know, his mm-hmm. stock, I think, I think the drivers are playing the market a bit as well. They know that they, they hold some keys. So if you're not a top driver, I think the top teams will try and lock their drivers down, but I think that the rest of the grid is going to be a bit of a free fall down the bottom there. And it could go on until right away into the end of the season, I feel. Yeah. I was glad to see um, Lando and Charles that announcement. Cause it just makes it a little bit less, crazier for this season yeah. <laughs> with all of those um neat looking to sign some contracts so yeah it's like i say i mean it's what 30 most of the teams haven't even got a drive for potentially sign for next year that's just crazy mm-hmm. 
not even winning their seats. Yeah, and that opens up all sorts, like you say, rookies coming through, all sorts of possibilities down there. And I think they're going to be feeding that with their performances as well, because they're going to be feeling pressure if they're out of contract and they have a bad start to the season, they get towards the summer break and they've had crashes or they're not performing well. The speculation is just going to be wild for them. It's going to be such such a yeah, headache for them. Yeah, maybe it'll be a good season since they'll, they'll be wanting to perform really well, more pressure. Yeah. So we're going to see how they really perform under the pressure now. <laughs> Definitely. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for you today. Terry, thank you so much for coming on. We have had an amazing time uh, talking to you and getting some fun information that is locked up <laughs> locked up there in your brain because, oh my gosh, <laughs> you have so much information and we just feel lucky to tap in. <laughs> um, but anyway, you guys, if you want to follow Terry, he is on Instagram, F1 Coffee Corner. Please go give him a follow. And don't forget, um, rate and subscribe us on YouTube and give us a, a follow on Instagram as well. And Terry, um, what are your plans for the rest of the week and I guess two weeks until the car launches? Um, we're actually going through it just before car launches and got books last week. So we're off to um, Williams for a heritage evening at the um, Williams factory. So just before car launches. So yeah, my dad and I are going, so we're going to go, it's a sit down meal, a tour around their museum, a tour around their heritage center. So looking at all of the old cars and seeing the cars they're working on, getting a, a talk from a gentleman who's been their heritage director for like 30 years. So he's been with the team for absolutely ages. He's got loads of stories to tell from when you know, Mansell was there, Senna was there, Damon Hill. So, yeah, we're going to kick off the season that way with something a bit different and, you know, kick off another bucket list in terms of a factory tour. So it'd be great. That, that sounds so fun. Cool. You have to share on Instagram, on your stories, yes. post all the Please pictures. Share. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great being in the UK because we can do those sort of things because obviously they're close by. So it's, it's great to, to go and experience some of the factories and some of the events they hold. So it's quite nice That's being amazing. Oh, we can't wait to see it on all of your socials. And, um, and Lynette, with that, when are we going to see you guys back? I guess we'll see y'all back after the car launches, right? Yes. <laughs> so we're yeah. gonna, we have this one and then two, yeah, two weeks for the car launches. The 17th is by then they should all be out. So yes, I can't wait to see and give all of our like ridiculous opinions that don't matter. But, <laughs> <laughs> but until then, guys, um, stay tuned, have be safe and have fun watching those car launches. And we will see you guys probably right after. <laughs> Bye.